I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. This is the Beyond the Mouse podcast, the podcast for all things Disney for NPR Illinois Community Voices and for the Front Row Network. I'm your host, Craig, joined today by my co-host, Miss Vanessa Ferguson. How are you, Vanessa? I'm doing great. How are you, Craig? I'm doing wonderful because summer is here and we are excited about that, especially here in the Midwest, because uh, some of those like long, cold winters are just sort of the worst. And so we decided to invite some East Coasters uh, onto the podcast and also fellow book lovers. I have started listening to the Book of the Mouse Club um, a few months back when I was going out on my runs and everything else and just really loved the chemistry that these two have and their love and passion for Disney books and finding out information about the parks and what created those, the movies, the studio, and everything I really enjoy their podcast. Can't recommend it enough. So welcome to Courtney and to Emily from Book of the Mouse. How are you? Hi, this is Courtney. Thank you so much for having us. Hello, Emily here again. Thank you for having us. We're really excited to be here and talk about books. Absolutely. And we're going to get to the books. But first, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your podcast. And I guess my first question, the question that makes sense, I'll pitch this to Courtney first, and then Emily, you can follow up with any answer you have. But why create a podcast? What what made you decide to sit in front of a microphone and to discuss books in particular, and Disney books? And it was it a shared love for Disney. What is it that came to you? And, and why did you put this idea in motion? Sure. Uh, Like you, Craig, I got into podcasts via running. I was training for a run Disney race and somebody recommended, oh, hey, check out a few of these shows. And I kind of caught the listening bug there for sure. Uh, Recommended some to Emily. I'll let her explain that half of the journey. But we kind of tossed around the idea of it would be fun to do a podcast, but I feel like the book section was an untapped niche. Certainly there are shows that have authors. Uh, We didn't want to be responsible for keeping up with all of the latest Disney news and rumors, that kind of thing. We just found there's this niche pocket, but that came from us recognizing that we are both avid readers. We love to read and we shared that love in college. Uh, Emily and I went to the University of Maryland together. Uh, We did not attend with fellow alum Jim Henson, but we have that Disney connection there. There's a lovely statue of him on campus with Kermit and you can sit on a bench. Uh, so Emily and I worked together as teaching assistants for an English 101 composition class. I think we, we already knew that we loved reading and writing and then found a shared love of Disney and felt like this is it. This is where we should take our, our podcast journey. That's fantastic. Emily, did you have uh, more to add to the story as well? So Courtney got me into listening to podcasts when I was driving from New Jersey to Florida for my Disney college program in 2015, I said, I need something (laughs) to occupy me for 15 hours. I can't just listen to music that long. And so she recommended uh, some podcast episodes, particularly for like attractions and like fun things that I could look forward to uh, getting to start my journey as a cast member And then I just kept up with those podcasts. And then one day Courtney got to be a guest on one of our friends, The Mad Chatters. And after us just mockingly always saying like, oh, if we had a podcast, this is what we would do. She finally came back after that episode. She said, Emily, we have to do this. And we just said, okay, we picked a book. Uh, We started with, uh, I think this can be one of Courtney's recommendations. So I'm going to let her uh, talk about this book. 
Um, so we picked a book and we're like, what's the worst that could happen? Let's just put it out there. And now we've been going on to our third season. Right. Right around 60 episodes that you're coming up on, which is just so great. And it's just so nice because, uh, first of all, I read at the speed of like a, a, I have a five-year-old. He might be a faster reader than I am. Uh, And so I digest a lot through audiobooks and through Audible. And and that's kind of where podcasting came into. Um, So it's just great to hear that you started as listeners and then decided to make your own because that's what I always encourage people to do because it's such a great space and uh, you have a unique story to tell. And you, like you said, you can find a niche audience and then really be able to provide them with some entertainment that they can use while they're training for a run Disney event or driving to a college program and all of that. So a couple of follow-up questions. First, Courtney, how many run Disney events have you done and what, you know, have you enjoyed them? Because I have done some of the virtual run Disney's, but I really want to do a marathon at Walt Disney World. So what, what are your experiences with sure. run Disney? My biggest accomplishment is probably the dopey. And for those who are unfamiliar, uh, you have to be truly dopey to do it because it is a weekend in January. And on Thursday morning, you do the 5K. On Friday morning, you do the 10K. On Saturday, you do the half marathon. And on Sunday, you do the full marathon. And if I'm doing my math correctly, I believe it's 46 point something miles altogether. Uh, I did that in January 2020. So right before everything got crazy. And um, But I've done... Prior to that, my my first half marathon was the the wine and dine, which I think is a lot of fun because there's an after party associated with that one at Epcot. Uh, you get to enjoy all of the food booths. I've done the Princess, the Star Wars, and uh, right before they retired this, I have no idea if it'll ever come back. I do hope it does. I did the Coast to Coast Challenge, where within the same year, you run a half marathon at Walt Disney World and then at Disneyland. Wow. So if I have any questions about Run Disney, I'm going to yes. be coming your way for sure. Happy um, to help. But Vanessa, you had some other questions about their show as well. Yes. Well, uh, I'm so glad you mentioned the college program at Disney because that is what we wanted to talk to you about. Um, now, we're guessing your love for Disney started well before you did the college program. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about why you wanted to get into the college program and uh, what was it like bringing magic to guests every day? I'll let uh, so, go first. So Courtney was kind of my inspiration to get into the college program. Um, I actually did a fifth year master's degree. So I stayed in college a little bit longer. Um, and Courtney and one of my other friends, Katie, from back home in New Jersey had completed their program or were on their program while I was in graduate school and hearing their experience was just incredible. And after, for me, five years of college, I was ready to take a break before I started teaching. Uh, So I thought that was a great six month interlude uh, because you can do the college program the six months after uh, your graduation, as long as you apply while you are still enrolled in a university. Um, so I did that and it was a great six month break because I really got to enjoy myself without having to think about do I need to balance some other classes or will this semester set me back in my credits? So I really just got to enjoy and I had a unique experience. I got to be friends with some folks in the Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Animal Kingdom, restaurants, Hollywood studios. Uh, Mickey, Minnie and Donald really enjoyed hanging out with me and asked me to go with them on some magical journeys around the parks. 
And that was just such a unique experience to interact with guests in that special way to help them celebrate birthdays, proposals, uh, family reunions, uh, gave lots of hugs. My job was to just make people happy and give a lot of hugs. And I really enjoyed that. And it was a very unique experience, one that you kind of dream of. And one day I was like, I want to do that if I was in my program. And I was like, what, again, what's the worst that could happen? They tell me no. Uh, so I did go to an audition in New York city. I'm fortunate living, um, at the time being in Maryland for school and in New Jersey, New York City is not difficult to get to. Uh, so I was very uh, fortunate that I could just hop a train and go there for the weekend. Uh, and having friends that already lived in New York City, I had places to stay. So it made it very accessible. Um, and I was lucky enough that Mickey was like, I like her. And he hired me. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's great. Are you, so are you a hugger in real life? Yes, I'm a hugger. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cause that, that would probably be the, the one thing that I would be nervous about is hugging everybody because I, I'm not really a hugger. And let me tell you, this pandemic has been wonderful for me. So. <laughs> um, I mean, consent always, um, right. <laughs> while I'm a hugger consent always, but, uh, it's amazing though, what meeting Mickey, Minnie, your favorite princess, how suddenly everyone becomes a hugger. That's true. And I would not deny a hug from Mickey any, I mean, he can hug me anytime. He also gives a mean fist bump. Like Mickey is all about the handshakes. I will remember that next time I go. (laughs) What about you, Courtney? How was your experience getting into the college program? Yeah, I like to say my Disney journey began back in 1994. Uh, My parents took us to, or took me to Walt Disney World. The, The mead specific is key here because apparently they went on a Disney Vacation Club tour and eventually asked two-year-old me, do you want a little brother or sister or do you want to go to Walt Disney World every year? And allegedly I picked Walt Disney World because I am an only child and they joined the Disney Vacation Club. Um, So growing up, visiting regularly, I'd say I was probably in middle school when I started to notice those name tags that would say a university or a college and struck up a conversation to learn fully what the Disney College program was. So in the back of my mind, I I always wanted to do that. And it took me, you know, 20 years after that 1994 Disney Vacation Club purchase that they made to arrive in the fall of 2014. Uh, Like Emily, once I learned you could do it after you graduated, I was like game over because I didn't necessarily want to take a whole semester off from college. I wanted to still graduate on time with my studies, you know, graduate with my friends. But I feel like I was at the beginning of my senior year when I found out there was that loophole and I was like, all right, this is going to be my plan. Um, I had done internships and stuff throughout college. I think that's an important part of the experience, but I felt, you know, I might be ready to enter the workforce, but I have the rest of my life to work a nine to five office job. Like Emily, I'm like, I'm going to take these six months, spend them at Walt Disney World. Uh, I was in the attractions role and I got to work at the iconic Space Mountain so that one was a lot of fun, mostly importantly for the, the Florida heat arriving in August. It was air conditioned. So very grateful for that. That's so Absolutely. wonderful and, and such a cool and iconic attraction that you get to work at. So some really fun experiences. And speaking of fun experiences, listening to your show, it's 
been kind of fun to see its progression and it continue to grow. And I know being a fellow podcaster, this is a horribly loaded question. So uh, you can give me as many responses to it as you would like. But if people want to particularly check out your show, what's a good episode for them to check out? Is there a particular guest reader that you had or a guest author that you've been able to speak to that you'd like to point people to, to listen to your show? And I'll go to Emily first. Um, so this is one of my picks that I had for our episode today, but I have backup. So I'm going to throw this one out there. Um, this is one of our most recent, uh, it's coupled episode 40 and also 56. And this is magic journey. My fantastical Walt Disney Imagineering journey by Kevin Rafferty. Um, I think sometimes with podcasts, it can be hard to go all the way back to the beginning. And what's great about our podcast is we tried, um, I hear this term thrown around by podcasters, make evergreen content mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter when you're going to jump in to listen. And for us, you don't need to go in sequence. We don't have a plot line. Um, maybe the only one to go in sequence is if we happen to read like Mark Davison's own words was two volumes, maybe start with volume one before volume two. Uh, but I think if you're starting a podcast, it's nice to go somewhere recent to kind of see where they are right now. And then if you are a fan, go back. Um, and Magic Journey uh, was one that we just had so much fun. Our friend uh, Brett Nachman from Notably Disney joined us. We read that book over the summer and it's, we had laugh out loud moments uh, for our age group. Kevin Raftery is kind of like the imagineer of our generation. He helped write a lot of the attractions we grew up seeing that were developed in the 90s and early 2000s. Um, So we had a lot of fun with that. And then we got to then interview Kevin Rafferty. Um, So that was a big, big day for us. Uh, Courtney and I squeezed in a 20 minute interview uh, during my lunch break before I had to teach an online class um, and on her lunch break. And we had so much fun listening to getting to talk to him and listen to him, give us some more stories that weren't included in his book. And I think that'd be a good one um, for listeners to start with because then you get us in a guest reader experience, but then you can also have an opportunity to listen to us uh, interview an author. That's fantastic. And it's a great, uh, great book. We had the chance to also speak with Kevin uh, back in November. And then shortly after we spoke with him, he announced his retirement. And I think you uh, had the opportunity to speak to him maybe the last week he was officially working with Imagineering. So it's a really cool interview. If you really enjoyed our interview with Kevin Rafferty, um, the interview on Book of the Mouse is something I'd highly recommend because you can go right into that. And then also your discussion of the book was excellent as well. So definitely one of the ones I would recommend and have recommended to other people. So it's a really good pick. So Courtney, you're on the hot seat now. You have to come up with a really solid pick here. Okay, I will say, I don't want to tip our hands too much because our list, Emily and I put together- I guess that's true. I am like, this is is really terrible for me to ask you this at the beginning because (laughs) you're going to be mentioning books. So- so I'm sorry about no, that. No, it's but okay. I think anyway. this is us like throwing in bonus. I just, I'm giving you a fair warning that probably as we talk about our books, we're going to be those people like, well, we also talked about this on our show because That's we've covered yeah, such please, please. a wonderful wide range of books. Um, but one that I, maybe as a book, it might not be your favorite, but it's one of my favorite episodes that we've done. And that's episode 
44, and we talked about 20,000 leagues under the sea. Each summer, we like to do a summer series, like summer reading. It's such a perfect time for reading. And the first time we did that was with the Kingdom Keepers, which I might talk about a little later. Uh, But last summer, we did a summer cinema series where we were focusing on live action films of the Walt Disney Company that had been turned into books. And I feel like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea might not be my favorite book, but it's such a great Disney film and the passion comes through in our discussion. I feel like Emily picked a great uh, interview that we did. We certainly do a lot of author interviews, but I, I feel at the heart of our shows are our episodes where we we discuss the books together. Um, and that one was a lot of fun. Absolutely. That's great. And I'll have to go back. I haven't listened to that episode. I did listen to your most recent uh, on my run today. I listened to your Lou Mangiello episode. Well done. And Lou is such a great guy to be able to uh, interview. And I know you've had the chance to talk to him a couple of times, which is just wonderful. So before we get into our book rounds, we wanted to squeeze in our rapid fire questions that we normally ask guests. So we're going to take one at a time. Vanessa is going to give you these. So she's going to pick who goes first and who goes second. But you'll just have a, a couple of seconds to come up with an answer to this. Just kind of blurt out the first thing that comes to mind. Don't spend too much time thinking about it. But if you give the wrong answer, we may kick you off the podcast. I'm completely kidding there. But Vanessa, go ahead and take our rapid fire questions. Ladies, I am so sorry for my co-host. You see what I have to deal with. Um, Okay, rapid fire questions here. Let's have Emily go first. Uh, Favorite Disney movie? Oh. It's always the hard one. Um, probably the same as Courtney's Beauty and the Beast. Courtney, is that what it you is, were going to say? It is mine. Uh, this is probably a recurring issue on our podcast where Emily and I sometimes <laughs> have. We'll, we'll plan a question and have the same answer to it. Oh, I love uh, it. But as readers, we both absolutely love Belle and Belle. Are, are drawn to her her love of reading. So I am not surprised Emily picked it, but it is absolutely mine as well. Of course. I, I should have thought of that because it's in the intro to your podcast, the <laughs> soundbite, I think. Um, okay, well, then, Courtney, we'll go next for you on this first one. Uh, favorite Disney character? Mine is Belle because of her love is breeding. But if I have to pick a backup, it's Minnie Mouse. I just okay. love her enthusiasm and charm. Sure. And Emily? Uh, because of my time uh, with the boss, I would have to say Mickey Mouse. I, I can understand that. I can understand. Um, Emily, let's go back to you. Uh, favorite Disney attraction? I guess it's going to be maybe the same as Courtney. You're not allowed Um, to pick that one. I know I'm not allowed to pick that one. Um, But I will say this is the controversial one. Uh, When I was a little kid, it's a small world. Um, I know it's a controversial choice. Uh, I know the the song is an earworm. Uh, But being on the mousier side of height, uh, there were, as a little kid, I didn't measure up to a lot of attractions. I was a little later in life that I could, you know, go on the roller coasters. So I went a lot on Dumbo and it's a small world. So they hold a special place in my heart. Those are solid. I love small worlds. I call it color therapy. I always feel so much better. Yeah. After writing it. I can't Um, wait to get out to Disneyland and see their version with the integrated Disney characters. Yes, it is. It, it's funny because it is just a little bit different. You're like, oh, this isn't this isn't what I remember, but I still love it. So, um, Courtney, I think I know what you're going to guess, but <laughs> everybody knows what I'm going to say, I think. And that's Space Mountain. I mean, I, I definitely loved riding it as a kid. But once you work an attraction, that like becomes part of your identity. So it's a problem. I always say that 
outside of the four park icons, I feel that Space Mountain is the most iconic just structure. So it gets put on a lot of merchandise, which becomes troublesome for my wallet. <laughs> oh, for sure. That's right. I, I can imagine losing it. You ever get to ride Space Mountain with Courtney? Like, um, probably also before Space Mountain became now one of my favorite attractions. Um, I really loved Thunder Mountain Railroad, but getting to ride Space Mountain with Courtney, where she sits behind me and is like telling me fun facts, like as well, we I go. can tell you where you're gonna turn. So even though it's pretty dark in Space Mountain, I'm like, here comes the bump. We're gonna turn left. All right, it's the drop because <laughs> I just ha- I had to walk the track nearly every night uh, to pick up Lost and Found, and so you just know the layout. And I was recently in the parks this past weekend, and I'm like, oh. Here, here comes the drop so it it sticks with you even nearly seven Seeing years all the fun things now. in the queue that to anyone just walking through the queue you're like oh that's nice but Courtney points out well that name is because of this Imagineer and that number is because of the year it was built and this is and Ooh. it just gives you a whole new appreciation for the attraction yes I need it well maybe that could be your first book there Courtney is Ooh. that you can write the history of Space Mountain because they, there's one in I believe nearly every park I'm does Shanghai Everything- have one it's everyone except Shanghai. So I can share one of my favorite fun facts as you enter the queue. It's easiest to see from the fast pass side, but you'll see the sign that says, welcome to Starport 75, your destination to the galaxy. And to the right of that, there's a sign that says departing flights or arriving flights. But each of the space stations named is the name for the corresponding park. So there's like HK05 for Hong Kong, uh, TL77 for Disneyland's uh, Magic Kingdoms is Starport 75 because it was the first open in 1975. Um, I forget what the Paris That's one is awesome. named, but it's easy to figure out what they're in order. So you can kind of pick up on the... Um, the lettering there and say, oh, oh, HK, that's Hong Kong. Uh, that's one of my favorite Easter eggs. That's, that's really cool. And did you ever find anything uh, really bizarre, interesting when you were uh, looking for lost and found items? <laughs> um, maybe one of the weirdest is I found a Jack Sparrow pirate sword from the Pirates League, which is like the pirate equivalent of the Bibbidi Bobbidi <laughs> boutique. I feel bad because it probably meant a kid lost Mm -hmm. their sword Uh, but I will say just after you come up the main lift and go all the way around to the other side there's a bump and that is that is where it's most likely for things to fall out so if you (laughs) you feel that little hit hold hold on to your stuff I could just envision a mountain of sunglasses yes lots (laughs) of those I always keep my ears on for the picture but I know as soon as that picture is done they are off and they are at my feet Good idea. That's great. Um, so we have a couple more. Sure. Um, let's see. Courtney, we'll go to you again. Uh, d- favorite Disney snack? My favorite Disney snack is a citrus swirl, and I will fight any Team Dole Whip person on that. <laughs> do you hear that, Throw Brett? Throw the gauntlet down. <laughs> when, Brett, when Brett goes back and listens to this, do you hear that, Brett? Uh, what about you, Emily? Mickey Pretzel nice I, I, I love you know, soft pretzels just in general and, and the fact that it's mickey shaped gets me right. every time I don't even really get that many pretzels but the fact that it's mickey shaped is what is what gets me for and sure. I think in animal kingdom you can find simba shaped oh, oh. yes nice. I saw that yeah I think that's, that's pretty neat. new so they're fat I, I just love soft pretzels and with oh, or without I cheese I do either I am a fan of cheese, uh, but cheese can be a little hard to walk and eat with. Mm. Um, granted, in these new times, stay stationary while you're eating in the park. Um, but I am also a mustard fan. I like mustard. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, and especially when it's blazing hot down there, especially if you're thinking about mm. Simba pretzel in Animal Kingdom in the summer, I feel like I'm a cheese guy, but I'm willing to give up the cheese to save myself uh, in that particular instance, <laughs> right? So exactly. last one. Okay, last one. Emily, we'll go to you first. Uh, favorite Disney restaurant? This is going to be a shout out to more of my mom. So, okay. There's to eat and there's also to work because I got to work in a lot of restaurants. Um, My favorite to eat is probably uh, Chef's de France uh, because that is my mom's favorite. And it does not matter that we have eaten there every year that we go on this trip. She has to eat there. And so just those family memories for me uh, makes it one of my favorite places to eat. Um, And then from more of a fun, quirky side, um, I spent a lot of time at Chef Mickey's and it was a lot of fun, um, getting to cook up some brunch and lunch and dinner. Um, I got to spend, I believe both Thanksgiving and Christmas at Chef Mickey's and it was fun to celebrate and they have a big dance party and it's a great time. Oh, I bet that was, I bet that was especially magical for the, the families that were there. So I'm, I'm envious. Uh, and it's I'll... one place where you can meet probably some of the most characters you get. Definitely Mickey, Pluto meets at the front, Minnie, Donald, and Goofy. Yeah, the, the wonderful, uh, or that's not all the Fab Fives, but is it? Are we missing anybody? No, I think that's everybody, is it? I think that would be, yeah, the classic Fab Five. Okay. Um, but Daisy's an afterthought. That's, that's, I'm like, who am I missing? Oh, right. Daisy's not really in the group just yet, but you know, uh, well, yeah, that's a great suggestion. Definitely. Um, if you, uh, have a family that loves meeting characters, Chef Mickey's is a solid choice for that. Uh, mine is the sci-fi dine-in at Disney's. Yes, so much fun. Can I share a fun story about it? Absolutely. Please do. Please do. This is just the level of my Disney nerdum. Um, And I am still an Orlando local. So I think the benefit of being local, I was dining there. um, It was like 2017. And I had caught on, if you've never been to the sci-fi dine-in, it's, I just love the immaculate theming. You sit in a convertible type car, but that's your table. And there's a rotation of probably like 45 to 50 minutes of sci-fi B-movie trailers, old drive-in cartoons. Let's all go to the lounge. Yes. So there's one that goes (laughs) calling all boys, calling all girls, and it's about a rocket trip to Mars. And these, these are real clips that played. And I had noticed back in 2017 that one of the tickets read um, February 2nd, 2020. And it kind of sits and dawns on me like, wow, that's not too far from now. You know, that's that's three years away. And I tweeted, haha, someone remind me to make a reservation for this. And then a few years passed and I returned to, to Sci-Fi Dine-In. Now it's probably May 2019. I'm like, oh, wait that's coming up like the 180 day previous booking window is like I'm gonna do it I am gonna be there on February 2nd 2020 at 1 p.m because that's what this free ticket to Mars says and so I set an alarm for the day the 180 window dropped and I made an 11:45 a.m brunch reservation I just made it for six uh I was like that's a whole car I don't know who's gonna join me but we'll figure it out um and I was there but I think which was such a surprise and delight, which I, is such a great Disney term of like those little magical moments. I just wanted to be there myself. I didn't know that they would 
do anything to commemorate that, but they did. They gave everyone who dined there that day their own replicate of the free ticket to Mars. They had a special dessert and I don't know, that was like three weeks before (laughs) everything changed in 2020. So that was probably like one of my highlights of 2020 and just such a special moment at Disney. What a cool, what a cool moment. And just like, that's, that's what, that's the Disney difference, right? That's, yeah. that is uh, easily um, right there for you. A story that shows that they put a lot of effort into their theming and everything else. Um, it, it is always a discussion. I won't say an argument. It's always a discussion in our house, uh, prime time versus sci-fi. And oh, generally we so go good. to prime time more because that is uh, the restaurant my wife prefers. And it is a wonderful restaurant, but man, I love sci-fi with that burger and the sriracha on it. It's Mm. so great. Oh, just wonderful. But now let's get into what we're here to do today. We are going to get some of your summer book recommendations and Vanessa and I are going to participate as well. So we're just going to go around in a couple of different rounds and talk about some, yes, some books that we would like to recommend that you check out, uh, or maybe even books that we have on our own personal list that we haven't quite gotten to yet, whatever the case may be. But we're going to let our guests go first, because you are the book experts, and you do seem to read so much. So Courtney, I'm going to put you on the spot first. What is your first book recommendation? I should say to the listeners, basically said anything that is remotely Disney is a uh, fair play here. So it doesn't necessarily need to be a book specific to the parks or specific to the studios. It can really be uh, whatever direction you want to take it in. And so you're going to lead us off here. What is your first pick? Sure. Well, I'm so excited to hear your picks as well, because I'm sure they could be future episodes. We'd love to have you on as guest readers. So maybe you'll spark something for us. Uh, But in terms of our little spark of inspiration, it is the very first book that we read for our show. And that is Dream It, Do It by Marty Sklar. Uh, He is a former, well, he has sadly passed away within the past few years. uh, But former head of Walt Disney Imagineering, an amazing career uh, starting in his early 20s, just a fresh graduate out of UCLA, uh, working on the newspaper for Disneyland to becoming essentially Walt Disney's right-hand man and speaker. And I believe before he passed, he had the distinction of being the only person to be present at the opening of all 11 theme parks uh, across uh, the Disney universe uh, in all of those countries. So he has an amazing journey. This was a book that I had previously read during my college program. So I think if you're a fresh graduate, reading a story like that is inspirational, but even just as a Disney fan, the wealth of knowledge that he was able to share. I had then recommended it to Emily on her college program, and it was three years after that that we chose to do the podcast when we felt what better way to kick it off with such a great story. So I'm kicking us off here with that one as well. That's fantastic. And it's actually a book that has been on my list for so long, but you start to go down these rabbit holes of different things. And again, with the reading very slowly, I don't remember if that book is available on an audiobook uh, platform. So maybe uh, one of the two of you can just narrate it on your show and then <laughs> I can go. just listen to the podcast version of it. But I am really excited to get into that. And Marty Sklar, uh, speaking of the Kevin Rafferty uh, interview, if you read his book, you can tell the love that all imagine have for Marty Sklar yes. and just his leadership really is what brought about the modern Disney park. Vanessa, you had something. Yes, this is okay. So 
here's the honest truth. When we started talking about this episode, I realized how illiterate I am. I, I, I really, Greg and Brett were giving me such a hard time because I, I, I really haven't read that many Disney books, but this is one that I have read and I read it because our, our good friend, Brett, he will, um, insist that I read up on my Disney education. And this was, I think this might've been the first book. I think it took me maybe a year to return to him, but it really was a wonderful book and gave um, a unique insight into the company because he, Marty did know Walt, but then he also very much was a part of that kind of transition phase into what the company would become. So I agree with you. I think this is a, a wonderful book to start with. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited that I actually read it. (laughs) Don't feel bad. So when Courtney and I started, we hadn't read that many books either. We had each read maybe like three and we had like another four or five on our bookshelf. Yeah, it was like, it's a great one to start. And I feel like Marty is someone that we're just learning more about, I think in media because of social media also because, Mm -hmm. um, he started writing his stories. Uh, but he's a name that sometimes I casual fit, you might hear him or see his name like on Main Street on a window, but not a lot of people know who he is. But thanks to platforms like D23 that kept like bringing him out, like come talk to us about your story. Um, He's starting to, I think, get a lot of the credit that he deserves Uh, from his reading. He's such a humble person. I was fortunate that actually when Courtney said, oh, you should get this on your college program. He actually was in Disney Springs at the Art of Disney that year. And I got a signed copy of both of his books at the time. Wow! So I got two minutes with Marty. Um, and I have, uh, two books signed by him and he's incredibly humble and denies like his hand in anything that he's contributed, uh, to these parks and to the company. Uh, but such an incredible story and it's a good one to read. Absolutely. Uh, Emily, you're up. What's your first pick? Um, so this is another one that we read in our first season. This was episode nine for us. Uh, and maybe one that is familiar to folks, but might be that book that is sitting on your bookshelf that you haven't read yet. Walt Disney and American Original by Bob Thomas. This is the biography for Walt Disney. Um, while Courtney and I have read it more than once, we both still cry at reading about Walt's passing. Spoiler alert, Walt Disney passes away. Um, But what's interesting about this biography is that Thomas had approval from the family to write this biography. They didn't like necessarily some of the other books that had come out about Walt. So they sought him out and said, we like how you had treated these other um, biographies you've written of these other celebrities. We'd like you to write a biography. So the fact that he had the family's approval and he's not part of the Walt Disney Company himself, I think we've discussed in our show that it is a very, we believe, fair uh, telling of Walt's story, both of his accomplishments, as well as some shortcomings and challenges that he faced, uh, both as a person, as well as in the company itself. Uh, It's a smooth read. I know some people kind of get scared of biographies. I'm not sure where that comes from, uh, where people are like, oh, biography, it's dry. No, they're not. Um, This one was a really smooth read for me. I know Courtney enjoyed it as well. Um, And overall, it's kind of been the foundation for both Courtney and I, um, as we've read other books, like reading Fantastic Journey, reading Dream It, Do It, you understand where these other people are coming from, the projects they talk about and their experiences, because you know Walt and the company's origin, it really lays a good foundation. So if you're looking for a place to start, 
that could be a really good book to begin with. And I'll say even as a Disney fan, a long time Disney fan, as I shared, there was stuff that I didn't know about Walt's history or his life that came to light for me in my first time reading that biography. So I think it covers a wide variety of his life, but also goes really in depth as well. That's fantastic. And I know that um, that's actually the biography I haven't read yet. So uh, two books so far. I read this two one too. Vanessa, go Vanessa and has I'm read killing them. it. Vanessa, the <laughs> illiterate one. She has a book club, guys. She has a book club that she does. And she's like, oh, I don't read enough. <laughs> we, don't, we, don't read, we don't read Disney books in the book club. But this is another one of those books that Brett kind of like shoved in my hands and was like, you must read this. So I, I have to really give all the credit to Brett. Um, and I'm also, I don't like uh, borrowing people's books and never returning them. So even though the Marty one took a year, every time I saw Brett, I'm like, I swear I'm getting your book back to you. I promise. I promise. So this one I did uh, really try to read as quickly as I could. And for our uh, Illinois listeners, um, one interesting thing that you might find in the book is really the story of Walt, how um, he was born in the Chicago area, and then traveled with his family to Marceline, Missouri, which is not too far from central Illinois. And uh, you can actually still visit his boyhood home there. And so there's a lot of history that's very close to some of our listeners here. So another good reason to pick up the book. Which is why the Illinois Pavilion also had him do the work at the 64 World's Fair, which gave us great moments with Mr. Lincoln and, and all of that too. I'm going to go next. I don't, I think because I'm not going to, sh- I'm not going to steal your answer, Vanessa, because there's no way that you have this on your list. I want us to make sure we're expanding our minds and uh, going in all sorts of different directions. And I made the joke with Vanessa that I could probably recommend about 20,000 different books. And that's because I am an avid comic book reader. And so I want to mention first comic books. And uh, because again, I read slowly, but these are great for people that read slowly and like pictures. Um, but I will say that the, the what I would recommend, on, particularly on this list, out of the Marvel comics, is a series of books that they've done for Disney called uh, the Disney Kingdoms. And they've done a lot of different attractions and looked at the lore of the attractions and even changed some of the mythos around those. Um, They've done the Tiki Room. They've done Seekers of the Weird, which was really the Museum of the Weird that Raleigh Crump never got to really bring to fruition. Uh, Figment has had two volumes of books uh, and then also Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. But the one I truly recommend that you check out is The Haunted Mansion. It's a fantastic, very quick and easy read. Um, You can find all of these on the Marvel Unlimited app. So if you're not into going into a comic book shop or buying the trade paperbacks, you can actually just read them uh, digitally. If you do, I think it's about $9 a month. And you can probably read through all of these different comics of all the attractions in the Disney Kingdom series. And they're all really worthwhile, wonderful books. So check those out for sure. I think that's such a unique merger between, you know, the Marvel acquisition. You think like, okay, well now Disney has Spider-Man, the Avengers, all these things. But then I feel like they took that a step further for people like us who love the Disney theme parks. Uh, We've only covered Figment, but I'm definitely interested in exploring those other ones. So it's great to hear that you loved the the Haunted Mansion, especially. The Haunted Mansion one, it just, it took some, because there's so much lore around mm-hmm. that mansion and it took bits and pieces and made it its own. And I really liked how they introduced the story. Very, very well done. So much, very much recommend that for sure. Vanessa, you are up now for your pick. 
All right. Well, I'm going to continue on with the Disney leadership and talk about The Ride of a Lifetime by Bob Iger. Um, This is a book that I've really heard a lot of feedback on from other listeners, a friend of the podcast, Erica, she really enjoyed this book. Uh, So it was, it's interesting because it was a book that I think if you were following along with Bob Iger, it was curious to see if he was going to kind of launch a presidential run after this book came out. Uh, But it kind of became clear uh, toward the end of the book. And and as the book was released, that probably wasn't going to happen. So, but it's still really fascinating looking to his leadership, his time um, working with ABC, acquiring these, uh, the, the Marvel properties, um, what else did he acquire? Craig, you're, you're my, you're my, uh, he, he really is guy. the one that he, he gathered up all the acquisitions. Um, so Pixar was not oh, Star Wars. Disney, uh, prior to, uh, Iger being there, Star Wars, Marvel, uh, just a lot of different intellectual properties that he was able to bring into the fold for sure. Yeah. And so that's just been really interesting because we lived through that. A lot of what we read in these books is what happened before we were born. And this is one that, yeah, I remember when these things happened. So it's a great book. Definitely one to check out. This is one we haven't covered on the show, but I have read personally. And I agree. I I think that's a very interesting point about, yeah, we lived through a lot of that. And I also appreciated how candid I felt he was, you know, sometimes you're just never sure like how forthcoming people are going to be about what transpired. And he pretty much says like he regrets how some of the things happened with George Lucas in regards to that Star Wars deal. So I think that's a testament to him as a person and as a leader to recognize, you know, maybe some mistakes and reflect on those. I forget, Emily, have you read that one? That is one sitting unread on my bookshelf right now. Um, That was one that I believe I got for Christmas. Courtney and I, our Christmas list now are just give us books for our podcast. Um, (laughs) But then with other author interviews and things, we kind of ended up going in a different direction. So it's on the bookshelf. I'm sure we'll get to it eventually. Uh, But that is what I'm looking forward to. And like you said, when this book came out, this got a lot of buzz, like, non-Disney friends of mine or friends that are a much more casual fan than I am they're like yeah so this book I was like you know who Bob Iger is okay um and it did feel like there was going to be a run for president (laughs) after this book came out it really did feel like that yeah and you know and now he's in the news because he's leaving that more creative role with the company soon and he's already being talked about speculated that he's going to be potentially an ambassador even to a a large country like China um which would make a whole lot of sense as far as his business acumen uh, and so it'll be interesting to see where he goes from there. I'm going to start off the second round and I would not usually put myself in the starting position but I have a book that's so um it, it goes along so well with Iger's book, and that is Disney War by James Stewart uh, back in 2005. And this is essentially covering the Eisner years of Disney. And I'll tell you, a book about a corporation and the workings of that corporation should not be a page turner. But as a Disney fan, Disney War is absolutely a page turner because it talks about uh, when Eisner came in and his work with Frank Wells, and then uh, Wells' death, and then uh, the falling out with Jeffrey Katzenberg, and all of these names that helped 
spark the Disney renaissance and then into the modern era of Disney that we all know and love, they're all in there and it's all uh, really just filled with a lot of intrigue and how all of this happened and shareholder meetings where Roy Disney is going up against Michael Eisner, that things that were happening when we were kids in the 90s, maybe we had no clue about, but really impacted how the business was going forward. And then ultimately, you know, we owe a lot to Michael Eisner. And especially if you read like Rafferty's book, he talks so much about uh, Eisner's involvement with the parks. Um, But I think that he had a, a bad falling out with a lot of the fans in the company because of his last couple of years in the position. And uh, this book, I think, helps to articulate what happened and why he made the decisions that he did. Uh, But it goes along so well with Bob Iger's book, because of course, since Iger succeeded him as CEO, it sort of just goes right from one to the other. So have either the two of you read Disney War yet? I have not. It's very long, isn't it? Like close to a thousand pages. It was one that I I will tell you, I am a proponent of audiobooks and I don't know if you are, but this was one where I would go out for a nightly run and I would find myself running more to listen to what happened in the story. And and it it really is done in such a way that uh, is more of a narrative story than it is like a, a, you know, a business textbook, which is sort of how it reads when you look at the back cover of it. Um, but yes, so I would, I would recommend even listening to it. My partner has read it and he really enjoyed it. He's always suggested that we should do Disney War in tandem with Michael Eisner's own book to get both sides of the story. I think just the size of the book has <laughs> intimidated me a bit, though we, we have read some pretty long books, uh, that just one. That one's the one that'll have to be on our list still. Absolutely. So I now I'll read it either, but I do like your recommendation though that it is interesting to learn about company history because too often we do we focus on the finished product. What is that attraction? The film, but we do have to recognize Disney is a company. They are a business, and where those products come from is because of business decisions. It's because of marketing, listening to what people want versus how is the economy doing? What do people, what feedback from guests? So there's actually a lot going on when they decide to build Tower of Terror. What made that decision? So it is interesting to get into a little bit more, not just behind the scenes of the Imagineering aspect, but the business aspect as well. Especially for people that are just fans of this company and learning where it's going and where it's come from. Um, Emily, I'll actually let you go next in this round. What's your second pick? So I'm going to take us to the parks. um, And this is a book called A Historical Walking Tour of Walt Disney World by Andrew Keist. Uh, We had him on the show for episode 17. So we were lucky to also read the book, but also interview the author. Um, Andrew, like myself, is a high school history teacher. And he wrote a walking tour from a history perspective. So what I like about this book is that it's not a guidebook. You'll find it in the travel section, like next to Birnbaum's guide um, for Walt Disney World, the annual release. But it's actually talking about the attractions and what parts of history are integrated into that attraction. So like, for instance, reading about Pirates of the Caribbean, he talks about the architecture and why is it you're finding Spanish architecture in the Caribbean? What elements then did the Imagineers take from studying the architecture and the history that they brought into the attraction? So it's a great read uh, for more avid park goers because you might have seen that attraction, 
so many times, but now instead of just picking up on the Imagineering parts or the hidden Mickeys, you can also kind of get a better appreciation for these different attractions because now you know the history of the context that the art, the storyline is coming from. That's wonderful. And he has a book that's very specific to Illinois uh, that we yes. need to read, which is all about the Illinois Pavilion at the World's Fair. And I it's read it on last my summer. You I did? read that okay, book last good. summer. It was fantastic. I good. got it Very for Christmas. So maybe that might be a good one for you guys to come talk about with us. Absolutely. You have such a, that would be fun. Yeah. A great connection to it. Right. We live just down the road from Lincoln's house and Lincoln's tomb and Lincoln's school and Lincoln's everything. There's so much Lincoln that uh, you can shake a stick at here in central Illinois. But Vanessa, I'll let you go next. Okay. Well, I'm going to pick this one because I don't want you to take it. Um, And this is probably going to be the last book that I actually read on this list. Um, But I am C-3PO, the inside story of Anthony Daniels. We were fortunate to have him on the show uh, not that long ago. And I have to tell you, we've um, interviewed several authors. Yes. See, I knew you were going to pick that book. uh, I have a few of them within distance here. And I actually listened to this on Audible, and it was almost a theatrical piece because it it inter there was interweaving of the Star Wars themes, the different music interludes, and um, I just really appreciated his. I mean, he is an, a trained stage actor before he became a uh, the droid, the golden droid that we all love from Star Wars. And that really came across through his telling, through the book. It was a really delightful book. Um, he had a lot of insight, some things that went well with Star Wars, some things that didn't. But you really get the sense that he has appreciated this role of a lifetime for him. And it, I just didn't want it to end. I was really sad when it ended. And I actually had to, I started replaying it just because I couldn't let go. But that is one I would definitely encourage people to listen to. It's a, I think it'd be a great summer book since Star Wars is, to me, feels like a very summer film. Um, so, you know, check that one out. Also, we talked about George Lucas a little bit earlier, and there are some more insights into even their relationship and how that kind of got off to an awkward footing, uh, but inevitably ended well. And in the audible version, it, he does do a great George Lucas impression, like all oh, throughout. It's wonderful. Awesome. So that's the other thing. Yeah, he does several impressions and he will do the voice of C3PO in the book, which is just like, oh my gosh, like it's him. It's really him. Yeah, so I'll it's have good. to, okay. Oh, I was going to say, I just have to, I'll incorporate that one into my running because it sounds like that sometimes you're like, this is a better one to do as an audio book than it is a book. And I think that's a great case for it. So rounding out, rounding out this round is Courtney. Yeah, uh, this I'm, I'm cheating a little because I'm putting seven books in one and that is the Kingdom Keeper series by Ridley Pearson. Now this is aimed at a younger adult audience. Uh, I'd probably say like middle school to high school, but if you are a Disney Parks fan, there is so much to love in the seven book series. When I hear seven books, I definitely think Harry Potter, uh, but it, chronicles these teens who are selected to be like park guides for the theme park but there's an ulterior motive to it because the villains are taking out over the park after hours and these young teenagers have to kind of band together to fight off the villains 
the series takes you from Magic Kingdom to Animal Kingdom to Epcot Studios and even aboard the Disney Cruise and some of the later books. So this was our first summer reading series that we did episodes 22 through 25. We, I think, paired up uh, two books at a time and then the seventh book. I will say we do read long books sometimes. The seventh book was probably 700 pages. uh, So that one got its full own episode and kind of a recap of this series. But this was a lot of fun. I read the first book when it came out and I was 13. So I was the perfect audience for it. But then just I think the other ones came out a bit later. It kind of fell off my radar. And then when I moved back to Orlando, I started to see them in the the Disney gift shops. And I was like, oh, this is a whole thing. So Emily and I read them fresh together when we approached them. And it was a lot of fun. I have to say, this is one of my picks as well. And it's just such a wonderful way to relive some of the park experiences that you might have. And so the technology is a little bit dated now because they're talking about holograms in the parks. you got to kind of let some of that go. Um, but there are some great scenes in there. Like I'll never forget in that first book, the scene of them going through It's a Small World at Night and all the dolls coming to life. It's it's like nightmare fuel uh, for a Disney fan, which is just wonderful. Um, but there's also the Return series as well. I don't know if you've had a chance to check those out but there are three books and they're more uh, centered around Disneyland and sort of they incorporate time travel in those. It's really kind of a cool way to uh, continue on with the series as well. Those are still on our radar. And I heard now there's a Kingdom Keepers kids series, which I don't know how the math checks out on that because the books came out when I was 13 and I don't have a 13 year old kid now. So um, I guess it it skips forward a bit in terms of continuity, but I've heard that that's supposed to come out this year. So I'll have to stay tuned to Ridley Pearson's website. It's great to see that those stories are continuing to be told. Just a side note, because it involves Kevin Smith and he's my favorite podcaster and also uh, love his movies. He was signed on with Disney Plus to adapt a Kingdom Kingdom Keepers series for Disney Plus and it just didn't come to fruition. So just sad because it would have been great. (laughs) I'm yes, saying, no, I'm right. saying yes. Right. Fingers I, crossed. Oh, you're right. That would be, I feel like so many people, we've heard that so many times from our listeners in our podcast that they're like, Disney Plus, this is the chance for Kingdom Keepers to be updated using current attractions, but like take that same storyline, that same idea of the parks coming to life outside of the park hours. And it would just look so cool as a series on Disney Plus. I hope. I'm saying yet because I'm hopeful that it'll still come through. Absolutely. You know, they did like that contest. They did like a competition that was like an overnight thing um, where they sort of did a Kingdom Keepers kind of thing. It had some Disney Channel stars in it, who I didn't know because I don't watch Disney Channel, but um, but it was on Disney Plus and it's a really cool, like it came out around Halloween and uh, it, it gave me some Kingdom Keepers vibes and that was really cool to be able to see for sure. So Now going into the third round, uh, we are going to go to Emily first. So I'm going to stay in the parks like my last pick. Um, I had said Magic Journey already, so I'm going to swap out Kevin Rafferty for another Imagineer. Uh, It's kind of a cute story by Raleigh Crump, as told by Jeff Heimbach. Uh, This is another memoir telling of Raleigh Crump's story. And what's so great about this book is while it's put together by Jeff Heimbach, he let the interview speak for themselves. And it's written so well that it doesn't look like an interview. It's not a transcript. It's not Jeff question, Raleigh answer. It really is just Raleigh telling this his story. 
and you get to learn so much about the parks um, and animation. The, a lot about the World's Fair. Courtney and I are really, we really love the World's Fair. So we love this book, getting to know more about his role. Um, actually behind me have a poster of Tower of the Four Winds because I love that. Even though he didn't, that like shocked me when I read it. He's like, I hate how that turned out. And I was like, oh, I love it. Um, so it's such a great, great story. It's funny. You hear his voice. And in fact, Jeff, the author had such a good relationship with him that there's actually additional audio uh, files that you can, that are like audiobooks of just the other parts of the interview that didn't make it into the book. So it can continue. And the book itself is just so beautiful. It's very colorful. It has a lot of Raleigh's personal artwork as well. So I feel like you really get to know him. You see a different side of Walt. I, we love reading from different Imagineers um, that have worked Walt Disney. You get to learn more about him through the eyes of other people. So there's a lot in there for everyone. If you like attractions, parks, animation, World's Fair, Walt. And he has such a great journey himself. That's wonderful. And uh, Raleigh's such a, an interesting character. Uh, he is, he lived such a life. And so it's wonderful to be able to read through some of that. This is one that I've checked out as well. And it's just a, a lovely story. It's a cute story, like, like he said. So just wonderful that you uh, had the opportunity to, to cover that one as well, because it's just such a great, uh, great book. Now we're going to go to Courtney this time. All right, I'll take us down a different avenue, and that's what we consider to be original source material. We certainly read a lot of books uh, about Disney or from people who have worked for Disney, but we also love all of the rich stories that inspired Disney to create their films or shows. So this classic is Winnie the Pooh by A.A. Milne. Uh, lots of cute, sweet stories. It's such a comforting book. Uh, this is our fifth episode and we read it just before the Christopher Robin film came out. So it was fun to dive into not only the history of the Winnie the Pooh films, but also A.A. A. Milne and the creation of that book and the relationship between that estate uh, and Disney. So I feel like this book is just a warm hug, a great one to read with kids. But even if you don't have kids, like just to revisit uh, and definitely an easy read for the summer. You could probably do that one in one sitting. So many lessons to be learned. And actually, this was going to be a pick later on, but I'm going to go ahead and jump in next because it goes along so well with this. This is what I'm currently reading. So I have been uh, doing a lot as far as uh, looking into ideas of mindfulness and even starting to go down that whole route of like, should I look into meditation and things like that? And so a walk in the wood, and it is a mindfulness meditation practices with a bear named Pooh. And it came out from Disney Editions in 2018. It's really cool because the chapters are very easily accessible. Um, essentially, it gives you kind of a lesson, a story about uh, Pooh going on a journey throughout a day. Um, and then it talks about some practices that you can do kind of in your own life uh, as well. And it has some of the illustrations, the classic illustrations that we love. So definitely goes along with your recommendation of Pooh because um, there are so, and of course there are also books like the Tao of Pooh as well. And it's just because there's so many lessons that you can learn from those original source material that you can then apply to different facets of life. So wonderful pick. 
Vanessa? Do, do I go next? Okay. Yeah. I, okay. All right. I just, you know, I wanted to check. I didn't want to jump in and skip anybody. Um, but actually, I'm really glad Emily gave up talking about Magic Journey now, because I'm actually going to pick that one back up. I know we already talked about it, but but I have to just say that, and, and I've said this on our past episodes, that this book, I started reading like just about when the pandemic happened. And it was a way to really take myself out of the stress of the everyday, not knowing what was going to happen, and just put myself in a story of fun. If you've ever wondered what it is like to be an Imagineer, and you think, kind of like um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, is it as fun as you imagine it to be? It really, he, Kevin Rafferty makes Imagineering sounds like so much fun. Of course, it's a lot of work. I'm sure there's a lot of pressure, but it is just a wonderful story of his career. Um, there were moments where I was uh, felt ten like intense because he's um, doing the, the concepts for Test Track and he's racing in these cars and, and the, like the, this blacktop he's spinning around and then he takes us to Japan and he takes us on on all these wonderful rides that we we love so much and. So I, I really would say to maybe those people who are not huge Disney fans, but you're just curious about what Imagineering is like, this is the book I would point to uh, because it, it really does kind of just take you out of the day-to-day stress and into a world of fun. And it's like a conversation, right? That's what's so yeah. nice. And you you all got to have a conversation with Kevin as well. His He writes so much like he talks and his book communicates. It's almost like you're just sitting there and having this intimate conversation with him about his history and about his uh, workings with the Disney company. Yeah, I was going to add that his book is laugh out loud funny. I mean, for those who are unfamiliar, he was a show writer for Walt Disney Imagineering. So did a lot of the scripts and the the actual stories of the attractions that we all know and love and his stories are hilarious it is very a conversational style and I could just we joked picture himself cracking himself up as he's writing little (laughs) puns and it turns out he had listened to us say that before he because we we covered his book before we talked to him so then he followed up and he added he's like yeah I was laughing at myself as I (laughs) read the book so it was funny for him to picture us picturing him that he was doing that so I've got to ask, uh, as someone that puts a lot of labor of love into these podcasts, when he said, I listened to that moment in your episode, your thoughts on that? Or was it just like, I oh. just blacked out and don't remember the rest of the episode. Corey and I had our text messages up because um, coordinating so that ends. we're like, you're taking the next question or pause. Uh-huh. I have a follow-up, whatever. And I literally, in all caps, was like, did he just say, because we didn't get to communicate with him directly. We were communicating with someone from Disney Imagineering. Mm-hmm. And I had added a link. I was like, if you're curious about us before you want to commit, please listen to our episode. And the fact that he actually did, like, I was like, did he just say he listened to our episode? And he referenced it like three times in our interview. And I was like, he actually did. Out. He didn't just say That's it to so be sweet. nice. He actually did. Such wow. such a nice, such a nice guy. Such he a nice truly guy. is. I do want to. I do want to add that what I like about that he's a show writer is I think it shows a different side of Imagineering because I think too often we think of the Raleigh Crumbs, the Mark Davises, who are the designers, the people who show us what it's going to look like and help direct the builders and the sculptors and the engineers who put the coasters and stuff together, uh, that you forget that in Imagineering, there's actually a lot in Imagineering 
like you need someone to write the script to write the songs and you can be I, I like that it showed a different side of Imagineering that it makes it a little bit more accessible that not everyone necessarily is an artist in the drawing aspect but there's lots of other creative outlets in Imagineering as well it takes so much to bring all that magic together. I mean, think about all the Imagineers that are working on The Wish exclusively and Disney Cruise Line and those engineers that are putting those things together and coming up with these all these rich ideas for us to love for years and years in the future. So I believe I hit everybody in this round. So going to the next round, the fourth round, um, we're going to start with Vanessa because I don't think you've gotten to start one yet. Okay, and I'm going to try to keep these next uh, couple picks a little bit brief because these are the ones I have not read yet, but I'm very excited about them, uh, and I, I've had a lot of feedback on this next book. I, Craig, you may have even bought it, but I'm hoping to get my hands on a copy and get into the kitchen because the unofficial Disney Parks cookbook, yes, I picked one that he wanted, yes, uh, it looks and sounds amazing. We just had, uh, Brett and I had a little uh, Disneyland beignet session. I don't know if that recipe is in the book, but just having that joy of being able to recreate a treat that we absolutely love. Um, Brett took a hand at making mint juleps. I tried last summer and it was a total failure. He actually did a decent job. And I think if, if that's something where you, you aren't able to get to the parks as frequently as you'd like, but you can kind of relive memories and visit the parks through the food and craig you'll have to tell us uh have you if you've made any recipes thus far from that book uh i have and they're delicious so definitely check out that book and i you know it's interesting it'd be great to listen to ashley craft uh and ask her how she got the access to be able to publish this because it is an unofficial book but it truly is a lot of the um recipes that you would love from the parks and it's just uh, it, it, it's great, especially for the summer to check out. And I love having those opportunities to think about the parks and be able to bring those memories back. And there's nothing better than eating food. So you totally stole one of mine that I have started to read, read as in eat my way through it. Um, but it, it is just a, such a great piece and definitely something that you should pick up. So the unofficial Disney parks cookbook by Ashley craft is, uh, the one that Vanessa stole from me ruthlessly. Um, have either of you gotten to check this out? I have not, uh, our friend Brett on notably Disney did interview her, I believe. So it, it's on my radar, but I would love to know what is your favorite thing that you've cooked from it thus far? Uh, you know, we haven't done like a ton from it, um, but I really enjoy the desserts. And in particular, um, my wife has mastered the Mickey sugar cookie, which mm -hmm. isn't something that I normally would go to as something like I need to pick this up when I go to the Main Street Confectionery. But they are so good because it's like it's not too sweet. It's not too uh, it's kind of more shortbready, I guess. It, it's so wonderful. And like the smell when she's making those just permeates every room of the house. And so it is like one of those old cartoons where your nose just starts lifting you up and then uh, puts you into the kitchen. So wonderful, very easy to make. And that's what I like too about the book is that she breaks it down in a way that's very easy for people that aren't chefs and aren't bakers. And they, they just have a few minutes to do this or want to do it as a nighttime activity with their kids. Um, I know that uh, Derek, one of our listeners is actually going through the whole book to get 
together as a family, which I think is really cool too, because it just gave them an opportunity for something to do during the pandemic, especially to remember the parks and then also to be able to have all this really good food uh, as well. So very, very cool. And I definitely would recommend it. I love that you picked, that both of you picked a cookbook because I think we often forget that cookbooks are books. They are books. Um, and they often have a lot of information beyond just the recipes, but like I said, where it came from, what's inspirations behind it. You can actually learn a lot. It includes an activity. So I love that you picked that. And I love giving cookbooks as gifts. I gave my sister when I was working uh, in my college program, I got her the International, the Food and Wine Fest. They put out a cookbook every year and I gave that to her as a cookbook and she loves it because it reminds you of the parks. It introduces you to some new recipes, even new cultures. Uh, So I love that you picked a cookbook. That sounds like so much fun. And Courtney, we haven't covered a cookbook yet on our podcast. No, I believe we both got Eat Like Walt and we might've bought that for each other because sometimes we do that. Uh, So that might be a, a forthcoming episode. Absolutely. Uh, I should say that I picked that book and then Vanessa stole it. That's uh, really just to make sure that we clarify that for all the listeners. Now, um, next, we're going to go to Emily. Uh, What is your next pick? Coming towards the end here. So it's starting to get like, I know that you have, I see behind you, most people that have books and books and books behind them really just do it for looks. I'm thinking you've probably actually read most of the books that are on those shelves back there. Um, so I recently, yeah, so listeners, you can't see, but behind me, I have four bookcases, There's actually two more to the left of me um, that are short, that are three shelves a piece. Disney has its own case now, thanks to our podcast. It used to be one shelf, and then now I have too many that <laughs> they needed their own <laughs> case. Um, I recently brought all my books from my parents' house in New Jersey down to Maryland. So actually, what you're seeing behind me is new in the last two months um, I've always had all these books. They're just finally all in one place. At one point I did count. I think there's only about 75 on there that I haven't read. And I have probably close to 500 books. Um, so I've read most of them, uh, but there's a lot. And I, I won't lie though. One whole bookcase is all history books from my college classes. So they're not necessarily ones that I'm going to like, yes, I'm going to go back and reread those. Um, but they're good books. Uh, but they're not necessarily the ones I'm going to go back to. Um, But my next pick is on my Disney shelf. It's the Disney Princess, A Celebration of Art and Creativity by Charles Salmon. This is a recent release uh, in 2020, and this is what kicked off our current season, season three. This is episode 51 for us. And uh, we came across this book, seeing it uh, promoted a lot on Instagram uh, from Chronicle Books uh, and Disney and our friends from Conical Books sent it, Courtney and I, and it was such a surprise because we were like, oh, I just saw this on someone's Instagram, but we hadn't had a chance to really look into it. Um, and we just loved it. It was a beautiful, it's a beautiful book that if you like pretty books and you want that on your bookshelf or on a coffee table, you want this book. It's a beautiful hardback. It has a lot of art. It has a chapter for every Disney princess. And it goes into, it's not long. I think, Courtney, both you and I read it in probably a matter of hours over a couple of days, but I took it three princesses at a time. And that only dedicated like an hour, hour and 15 minutes of my day. Uh, so I finished the book within a week. And it's like a little essay on each princess of where does their origin story come from? When did Disney pick it up? Concept art, 
and you see that concept art, which is not always, you sometimes see concept art, but we saw a lot of artwork that was new to both of us. So it's incredibly colorful. It's a beautiful book. I learned a lot and it's a nice digestible read for each princess. It's not overly in depth, but you definitely are getting information that you aren't going to learn from watching the DVD special features um, that focuses solely just on the animation, not necessarily on the princess as a character and where the company was going as they progressed from princess to princess film. I think it's a beautiful coffee table book. Like it would look nice on display and it has these beautiful rainbow holographic pages. So the effect when all of the pages are together and the light is absolutely gorgeous. But in that coffee table book regard, we did read it cover to cover, but I would say it's something where if you're like, oh, well, I just want to go to my favorite princess bell and read about her. You are able to read it out of order if needed. For that great companion. I know a lot of people like to do those Disney marathons and they're like, I'm going to do a princess binge. This would be a great companion that before you watch the film, you're doing that film weekend with your friends, take 20 minutes to read that chapter. They're not very long. I read three princesses in an hour to an hour and 15 minutes. And that was also me taking notes for our podcast doing that. So it's very digestible. If you want to take 20 minutes, read that, then watch the film. It's a great companion for that princess marathon. Fantastic recommendation. That's great. Courtney, what's your next recommendation? Yeah, my next one is, again, a series. I like, I like working these and giving the people options. Uh, but this is not a series that you have to read in order. This is called The Thinking Fan's Guide to, and then it's different Disney things. So we have The Thinking Fan's Guide to Walt Disney World Magic Kingdom, an edition for Epcot, and then one of my all-time favorite films, even outside of the holiday, and that is The Thinking Fan's Guide to Hocus Pocus. So it's kind of hard to quantify or qualify what a thinking fan's guide is in my own words. So I am absolutely about to read you part of the Amazon description for the thinking fan's guide to magic kingdom, because I think this does a much better job of capturing what this even is. So it says the thinking fan's guide is a different kind of guidebook that leaves out the usual ephemera of trip planning, ticket prices, restaurants, and shopping to concentrate on what visitors to magic kingdom come to see the rides and shows. Aaron Wallace provides a lighthearted but scholarly look at each attraction in the Magic Kingdom's Adventureland, Frontierland, Liberty Square, Fantasyland Tomorrow, and Main Street USA, including the parades and fireworks show. Far from being mere amusements, these attractions provide a complex, multi-layered narrative that can be experienced and appreciated just like a great novel, play, or film. The book will fascinate Disney buffs with the surprising insights into old favorites while offering newcomers to the Disney magic a much richer experience during their first Disney days, end quote. So I'd say this is more for a well-seasoned Disney uh, history buff because the way that it describes it of approaching it like a novel or a film, I was an English major. So to me, I'm like, this is like if I was writing a thesis about Space Mountain, uh, but not a dry thesis. Uh, each one is probably one to two pages for each attraction. And what I really appreciate is at the end of each attraction, Aaron pairs um, a short film or a movie, not necessarily a Disney movie, that kind of continues the themes of those attractions and it some of his picks are very surprising like I remember one of the Epcot picks I want to say it might have been Test Track he says you should watch Reading Rainbow and I forget how he gets to that connection but just the level of detail and his brain to to get there uh, is such a unique approach to the theme park so I think this one's a bit out of the box and 
if you love the whole movie Hocus Pocus, like I do, uh, it's kind of like a master's thesis, but again, a very interesting one on the film itself, uh, going into the history of it. And then even its representation in the parks with the, the show at Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. That is definitely on my list now because it's not something that I've had on there before, but I get to round out, you know, it's so funny. We're coming up on the the last round here and there are some major names out there in Disney publishing that we have not mentioned yet. We have not uttered Jeff Curdy once here and we haven't talked about Jim Corcus yet. Some people Um, might still, Craig, some people might still. I'm just saying I have a lot of options here and I'm not sure which direction to go, but I do want to make sure that I, I made note of this and I, I want to recommend a couple of non-Disney biographies um, because they involve Disney uh, to a certain extent and they're so well-written. And again, I digested both of these when I was running or biking um, as an audiobook format, but they're written so well. And the first is Robin by Dave Itzkoff uh, and it's all about Robin Williams. And there's, you know, there's a lot of uh, internet memes and things like that about going out around uh, Robin Williams' relationship with the Disney company, especially when it came to marketing the genie and the merchandising for Aladdin. And this book actually tells you what went on, as opposed to uh, just kind of a, a clickbaity type headline. And also, uh, Robin Williams, just such a genius uh, in we were able to experience him for such a brief amount of time. And uh, truly this biography is just wonderful uh, to be able to listen to his life story essentially. Um, And then the other one is probably a more popular uh, biography. It's by Walter Isaacson and it's Steve Jobs. And the reason I recommend that one is because of the relationship uh, or lack of relationship that Michael Eisner and Steve Jobs had. And that's why he almost allowed for the Pixar uh, deal to lapse and to not be Pixar would have been their own animation studio uh, moving forward. And in fact, one of the last things that Michael Eisner said about uh, Pixar while he was still CEO was Disney was I hope that they I hope that they enjoy their little fish movie. We all know that that Little Fish movie is Finding Nemo, which was the largest movie of that year and so popular still to this day. And so um, it talks a lot about his uh, relationship with Bob Iger and why the Pixar acquisition happened the way that it did after the relationship had soured so much under Michael Eisner. So recommend those two non-Disney but involved moments of Disney history biographies with people that we all recognize in Robin Williams and Steve Jobs. Uh, So that rounds out our fourth round. This is going into our final round. And I will go back to the order we started with. So let's go to Courtney first. Sure. This isn't my pick, but I wanted to piggyback off of yours. And that is that Brian J. Jones has two fantastic separate uh, biographies, one on Jim Henson and the other on George Lucas, I think ties well to Vanessa's C-3PO pick, but another where it's it's not necessarily a Disney endorsed biography, but Disney certainly plays a part in both of those men's journeys, especially Jim Henson. People might not know how far along uh, the relationship with the Disney potential you know, purchasing the rights to the Muppets was back in 1990, right before Jim passed and eventually they did come there. So just piggybacking off of that, but my pick is a Jeff Curdy. This is what I'm listening to right now is Perfect. the Jim Henson book. So oh, again, so listening, 
listening, but <laughs> you are all set then. But I, I did want to make sure we get Jeff Curdy on the list, and I had him on here. Uh, and that is one of his more recent books. Jeff Curdy is a wonderful Disney historian. He contributes to the Disney Parks blog. He had a part in the founding of the Walt Disney Family Museum. So it's just a great trusted historian on Disney. And my favorite of his is Travels with Walt Disney, A Photographic Voyage Around the World. And we had the chance to talk to Jeff about this last May, so about a year ago or June, uh, on episode 42. Uh, And I just really appreciated this book. It's so easy because it is mostly pictures with accompanying captions, but I liked the way that Jeff organized this book. I feel like he could have easily just said, oh, I'm going to do this in chronological order, but his approach was to frame it around modes of transportation um, or assignments like Walt Disney being on films for locations. And if you're a Disney fan who loves the history of Walt, a lot of these photos are from like the family's personal collection. So I love going through One Man's Dream when I'm at Disney's Hollywood Studios, uh, but this felt like an extension of that and getting to see just personal pictures of Walt Disney enjoying a cruise through Europe with his wife, Lillian, and his two daughters just really, I think, like drove home the family aspect of the man, Walt Disney, um, and just a treasure to, to go through those images. You know, and he does such a great job with all of the books and he's published, I think, close to 40 books or so uh, on different various topics for Disney. Um, I would say that another one that's really popular or if you want to get a ton of the history of Walt Disney World in particular, Since the World Began came out on the 25th anniversary and we're now looking at the 50th anniversary this year. And so it'd be a nice time to go back and look at the first 25 years of Walt Disney World. Um, I also purchased a book it was all about Mary Poppins uh, about the time that we also had a chance to talk to Jeff and really loved that book too, because it, it talks so much about uh, how the character is interwoven into really the history of Disney. Jeff does such a great job. And so any of his books, I can't recommend them enough. He's done uh, books on Imagineering. He's done one all about the Disney dream, which is almost like a guidebook to the Disney dream. So definitely Jeff Curdy needs some love on this podcast for sure. Emily, you're next. So after your intro now, I'm like, oh, I should grab something from DDA Getz and uh, Jim Corcus, which we've had on our show. They have tremendous numbers of books, but I was going to bring us back to the classics and to some um, original source material. And I want to talk about Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. Uh, This was the first book we did in our summer cinema series. Uh, In that series, we did Treasure Island. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and Pollyanna. And our goal was Courtney and I were not as well versed in the live action of Disney Studios. We're much more animation fans. And we're like, it's time to start rounding this out and thought it'd be fun to look at the source material. And there's a lot more live action that pulls from classics. And a lot of people I know are not big fans of classics. Look at my bookshelf. There's two rows there of Barnes & Noble classics behind me. Um, I went on a kick in a summer reading out in college where I was like, I think I should read some classics. And while they might not be some of my favorite books, I'm really happy I did. So I want to recommend that people go read some cla- what's considered classics because they are the basis and foundation for a lot of films, but also a lot of references in our pop culture. Uh, But I want to recommend Treasure Island because it's so fun. Um, While it's a classic, it's not 
necessarily 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, where it's a little bit more of an undertaking. It is an adventure. It's one that you can read with kids. It inspired Walt Disney's first live action film. And so you can then partner it with the movie itself. There's also Muppet Treasure Island, Treasure Planet. There's lots of access points. And Treasure Island is so, and pirates in general are so part of Disney pop culture, et cetera, that I think it's a good book that it's fun to read on the beach. It's the perfect book to read on the beach because they get, they go to islands and beaches looking for buried treasure. Uh, So I think it can be a good access point for lots of things to get into classics to experience an origin story that Disney used in multiple facets um, and try to round out some of that classic reading. What a great recommendation. And it's definitely one that I need to check out uh, and to, I of course know the story, but to actually read the source material, I think would be right. a lot of fun. Really good recommendation. Another Courtney. one that's fun is audiobook. Is that yeah, what you're so saying? You read that on audiobook. I, well, I read along with the audiobook, and because it's classic literature, it's in the public domain. So you can find just like free audiobooks of that pretty. Like, Even I think free I found ebooks. It technically on like the podcast feed, but the one that I read, the guy did a great pirate voice, whatever it was Long John Silver. So I feel like with the wide range of funny characters in that text, it's definitely a good one to enjoy orally. Okay. So how that guy did Treasure Island, this is how I expect you two to do Marty Sklar's book for me. So um, just so you're aware, (laughs) in a pirate voice as well for no no reason. Um, I will let Vanessa go because I do still have a couple left and I can kind of round us out and mention a couple as we go along here. So Vanessa, what's your last pick? Okay. So again, I haven't actually looked at this book, but I seem to recall that Brett was very excited about it. Um, This was not long after Disney plus aired and it is one day at Disney meet the people who make the magic across the globe. And I believe this is another very good coffee table book uh, with beautiful pictures. And it really explores the different cast members and all that they do. Um, I'm really going to rely on the Disney plus series, uh, the, the clips that I've watched on Disney plus about this to, to talk about the insight of those different cast members. And I really loved it. It's, it's beautiful. It's very much like a documentary, but I think if Brett were here, he would want to point us toward the book because again, I seem to recall that he got the book and said it was just beautiful. So I'm so sorry. I haven't read it yet, but that may be one that you definitely would check out if you're interested in the going ons behind kind of behind the scene at Disney. Absolutely. It's a great, uh, great addition to uh, being able to like look through those cast members eyes, also see how many people really truly are cast members of the company. And um, certainly it it helps allow us to make sure that we are always very positive in those interactions with cast members and that we are always grateful for all of their work that they do. So now I get to talk about a couple of Star Wars books really quickly. Um, If you're just looking for something outside of Star Wars, uh, 
that's on TV, but will probably soon, I'm sure at some point, have its own series. Uh, Thrawn has showed up in a lot of the different animated series. Uh, the Timothy Zahn Thrawn novels are so great. He is such a, a great villain and a great character in the Star Wars universe. He's certainly someone that I think they're going to do more and more exploration as we go along here. Um, and then also, I wanted to mention the book that actually got me really into um, reading Star Wars and learning about Star Wars, and that was Chris Taylor's book, How Star Wars Conquered the Universe. It was a really great history and goes into a lot of how the movie was developed and then kind of how it took off as a cultural phenomenon. Um, I should also mention before my last and final pick is that Brett mentioned that I could not steal the Neil Gabler book from him. Uh, And so the Neil Gabler book is the other uh, really well-renowned biography on Walt Disney that was not authorized by the family. And so it is um, perhaps a grittier look at uh, the history of Walt Disney, but certainly you can get so much out of that. The one that I am finally picking, uh, and I'm surprised that you two didn't pick it because I think it was one of your first episodes, and I maybe can forgive you because it is not a summer reading book, because if you hold this thing to the beach, you would need to go to a chiropractor right after, but that is uh, Mark Davis in his own words, and it is such a wonderful book. Uh, Talk about learning about how the parks came to be, and particularly Disneyland. Um, This was written by two uh, people that just absolutely love the Disney company, Chris uh, Merritt, who is a previous Imagineer, and then, of course, Pete Docter, who is Academy Award-winning director for Pixar and also head of creative for Pixar uh, as well. So it's just wonderful. It's so many cool interviews with older Imagineers. You've got great interviews with Bob Gurren here. Um, You get to learn so much more about how the theme parks came to be and there's two volumes and so this this book is no joke i know that this is an audio podcast but seriously i'm picking this thing up and it's like 10 pounds um it is it is no joke uh it is kind of pricey uh, if you find it at its list price i think it's listed at 150 dollars. however around the holidays last year i found it uh on sale for 60 dollars, and uh it was a great steal at 60 dollars because the amount of uh photos in here and drawings just absolutely incredible so if you are a hardcore disney parks fan i don't think there's any book that i can recommend more than uh this book so it's wonderful i know that you've covered it on your show do you ladies want to mention about anything about this book sure the reason that you said about it not fitting a beach bag was part of the reason we didn't put it on here Emily and I did meet earlier this week just to kind of lay out like I want tips on this book uh, to talk about and we had this and ink and paint by Mindy Johnson which Mm -hmm. is another large tome of a book I was like I don't know they wanted to talk about summer reading and I just don't picture myself lugging that to the beach because you said chiropractor. I joked that it's one that, you know, you do want to read it in its physical form, but I was like, my back hurt after I was just trying to get comfortable holding that book. Uh, so we did do that in two separate app episodes rather recently. We always say we try to do at least one book a month, but if you do the math, we are coming up on our 60th episode by the time that this is released. And we have not been around for five years where we started in 2018. So we, we often do squeeze in more than one a month, but that's always our goal. Uh, it keeps us at least motivated in that regard. So in November, that was 
episode uh, 48 and then episode 49 in December. I think usually when we get to the holidays, it is one one episode per month. Uh, we got to read that and we, we really enjoyed, again, the concept art that's in there, uh, the look at both his animation history and his uh, history with Walt Disney Imagineering. Uh, Emily, anything you want to add? It was really cool. And while it's a big book, because there's a lot of artwork, it actually moves very well. It's a well-paced mm-hmm. book. And there's not too much text on each page that it is digestible. Um, it's and just, the chapters. The chapters it's just a large pretty, physical pretty book. short, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really just, it's a large physical book that makes it challenging. Is just, you might actually <laughs> the want to read it the most intimidating looking book ever. It's, you might like, actually want to put it flat on the table I could plop read this it. on my table right now, but my table would break. You know, so uh, it is it is intimidating, but you are right. It is digestible once you get into it, for sure. And the artwork is so cool because we had read another book. Um, the exact title might be escaping me. The Walt Disney World That Never Was. And um, it's chapters of books uh, of um, attractions that never got made. And there's a big part dedicated to the Western River Expedition that we had wished in that book that they included images because it was kind of hard to picture like what were they going for um even though the chapters were so well described but then getting to see the artwork because a lot of the stuff in mark davis's books is also things that didn't get made there is a whole section on the western river expedition in frontier land um so getting to see the artwork really does help kind of visualize like where were they going um with some of these ideas and how you know just the expansive imagination of these Imagineers and there were a lot of people it's not just Mark Davis there's a lot of people included in that book and getting to hear from different generations of Imagineers because he's one that spans like the old and the new coming in like you hear a lot from Tony Baxter um, as well and he's kind of like the new new age that comes on after Mark Davis so it's a good he's it was a really good bridge of getting that Imagineering history Absolutely. Can't recommend it enough. And we've given you so many books to go out and read this summer or read this fall, winter. You know, you could be reading for a couple of years if you read all of these books on your list. And if you do, uh, make sure to message all of us in, you know, 2023 by the time you're done with all of these books and let us know uh, which of us we got right and which of us we got wrong. So it's just been so wonderful to have the two of you on this show. And I want to make sure that we give an opportunity to point our listeners to go and listen to your books in uh, your podcast, I should say, your, your podcast about books. Uh, but can you please tell us where they can find you, Courtney? Sure. Uh, so Book of the Mouse Club is available wherever you're likely listening to this podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple. I'm sure if you have an Android phone, there's some <laughs> subscription service. I know people listen to it. Uh, on Twitter, we are at Book of the Mouse and on Instagram as well. Uh, if you want to keep up with me personally, I'm on Twitter at Courtney underscore Guth and on Instagram at Great Guthsby. Uh, you can always reach out to us via email to let us know if you like the picks or if you have picks of your own. We'd love to know your summer reading list and you can reach us at book, book of the mouse club at gmail.com. Uh, we have some fun stuff coming up this summer. We have about two episodes in June before we get to the end of the month where we will be doing a spooky summer series or maybe a sinister summer series. I don't know. I like alliteration, but we will be reading the four volumes of Tales from the Haunted Mansion across two episodes this summer. Uh, so if you are looking for another brand of summer reading, please come follow along 
for that. Uh, and Emily, where can they keep up with you? Uh, so you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the same handle at Emily underscore McD. So E-M-I-L-Y underscore M-I-C-K-D-E. Excellent. Excellent. And you should go and check out their podcast and uh, follow along with them. I'm, I can't wait for that Haunted Mansion. It's like Hocus Pocus coming out in July, right? So it's the yeah. perfect time to start getting ready for the Halloween season. And Emily, you men made mention to the fact that you are a history teacher. So I did not want this uh, episode to go away without saying thank you for your service this past year. Um, teachers everywhere have just had to deal with so much. And uh, we are so grateful that there are people like you out there that uh, are teaching the next generation and keeping that education flowing, even in the most difficult of times. So thank you for what you do. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Of course, of course. Uh, any thoughts before I make our plugs, Vanessa? Hey, I am very excited to finally have a list of books that I can read instead of having Brett just show up at my door and shoving one in my face. So now I feel empowered by these ladies to actually pick one that I might want to read. And I'm super excited about it. Now you need to go. And before he listens to this episode, you need to go and grab one of those books and do the reverse to him. Drive over to his house, shove it in his face that he needs to read this book. That is a great idea. A, I will go a do A love that. shove. <laughs> Not a Love loving him. shove, not, not don't hurt him, please. But uh, as Courtney said, you can find us anywhere. If you're listening because you're a fan of these two, then we'd love to have you listen to some of our previous episodes. You can find us anywhere by searching Beyond the Mouse on any podcast platform. We also are on NPR Illinois. So if you want to check out nprillinois.org, you'll find us there as well. We are part of the Front Row Network and the Front Row Networks has such great shows to check out all things movies and pop culture. So check out the Front Row Network as well. Well, you can find us on social media by going to Beyond the Mouse Podcast on Facebook. We also have a Facebook group called Beyond the Mouse Podcast Pals. That's just a lot of fun. So we really enjoy interacting with people there. So make sure you can join that group and we can chat all about this episode and all the previous episodes that we've had. Uh, and you can find us on Instagram, Beyond the Mouse Pod. For Beyond the Mouse, I am Craig. I'm Vanessa. I'm Courtney. And I'm Emily. And we will see you real soon in the front row, hopefully reading one of these amazing books we just recommended to you. 